Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Okay, bismillah walhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbak wa hubba amalan yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamur rahimin. Uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His love. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the love of those actions that will gain His love. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us and make us the means of guidance for others, inshaAllah ta'ala. Um, I was making wudu in the restroom. And my man, he, he, he's like, yo, Shaykh, you got to drop that heat today. And I was like, yo, man, don't put that pressure off me, man. It's too much pressure. May Allah allow us to always um, remember that as long as you do what you do for the sake of Allah, there'll be benefit in it, inshallah ta'ala, right? And that's one of the things we're gonna talk about today. Um, and I had to remind myself, right? Like whatever we do, we do for the pleasure of Allah, that's it. Um, and that actually brings me to the first advice of Imam Muhasibi. Imam Muhasibi, uh, for those who like, maybe this is their first session or whatever, we're studying this book by Imam Muhasibi. And he wrote this book with these like discon disconnected kind of gems or nuggets of knowledge. Uh, and each one of them is so profound. There's so much for us to reflect upon. Um, and so, you know, one of the reasons you come to these gatherings is you never know what thing you're going to hear that will just inspire you and change you. And, and your life will never be the same after you heard that one thing. And it could be just one thing that you heard. And maybe the person speaking said it in passing, but it just hit you in a different way. And that was the thing that just changed your life forever. And so we're always coming to these gatherings just, just expecting and hoping and knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide our hearts with guidance through what we hear in these gatherings, inshallah ta'ala. So the first thing that he says for today's lesson is this. Bismillah. وَمَن تَزَيَّنَ لِغَيْرِهِ فَضَحَهُ He says, وَمَن تَزَيَّنَ The word zayyana, yuzayinu means to beautify, to make yourself look good. وَمَن تَزَيَّنَ لِغَيْرِهِ Whoever beautifies themselves for anyone other than Allah, فضحه. Allah will cause this person to be fadiha. What's fadiha? Embarrassed. Embarrassed. Shamed. I think this is deep. Because I think the first thing that we're learning here is that when we focus on beautification, the time we live in is such a shallow time that all beautification is all about the external. It's all about filters, yo, filters, that's it. It's all about filtering so my external is, beautiful, is made beautiful. Um, but 
everything that we study and everything that the dean has brought us is about beautifying the inside, beautifying the heart, beautifying your soul and beautifying your character. And so when you, when you look in the mirror every day, there's a, a dua that the prophet taught us to read. What's that dua? What is the dua? Read it loud. Fahassin. Yeah, Allahumma kama hasanta khalqi fahassin khuluqi. This is a crazy dua. Right at the moment when you're waking up, when you're looking in the mirror, when you're getting ready to present and beautify yourself, to present yourself to the rest of the creation, the Prophet taught us this dua. And this dua, it forces us, and I'm going to translate the dua in a minute, but the dua, if you read it, and I want you to write it down, I want you to know this dua, because if you read it, it automatically sets your priority straight right from the beginning of the day. So what is the dua? I'm going to read it in English. The dua is, Oh Allah, just as you have beautified my external form, right? So the first thing I think is appreciate the beauty that Allah gave you. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate the beauty that, I mean, everybody, all y'all look in the mirror when you wait. You're like, yeah, alhamdulillah. I'm the flyest mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all, right? That's all of us. We all, every single person, you know, subhanAllah. I remember one day my sheikh, he was talking about Looking in the mirror, it's the same dars. And, um, and he, he mentioned beautiful, handsome, right? It was all guys in the room. So he mentioned, you know, your handsome face. And I guess I must have smirked or something. Because he's like, yeah, don't worry, we all think we look good. Right? We all think, every single one of us, we think we look good. And if you don't think you look good, you should think you look fine. Because Allah has created you in the best of, of forms and, and, and manners. Realize the beauty that you have. So if you don't, you need to reassess that and look in the mirror and realize the beauty that you have. Now, if you think you look too good, now you got to keep coming to halakas, though, because we're going we're gonna to work on that. That's what we're here for, is to bring that down, because that could be very detrimental to you. So the Prophet, Sallallahu he taught this dua where you, you wake up in the morning and you're looking in the mirror, right? You're looking in the mirror, you're looking in your own phone, right? You're looking at how you look. And when you look at yourself, the dua begins by, Oh Allah, just as you have beautified my khalqi, my external form. So you recognize the blessing of that external beauty that you have. But immediately the dua switches to the internal. Oh Allah, just as you have made my external form beautiful, please make my inner disposition equally as beautiful. And so what that does automatically is for me, there's a shift in priorities. There's only so much I can do in the morning to make myself look better. As a guy, there ain't much I could do, man. Just have wifey trim me up real quick. You know what I mean? Line me up as she always does. She hooks me up. What else can I do? Ain't nothing else. I ain't putting foundation on, right? There's not much. But what I can work on, but what I can work on is my sabr, my patience, which we'll talk about today, my forbearance, my contentment, which we'll talk about today. These are things that I can actually work on. So focusing on inner beauty, first of all, stops us from being victim to the shallowness of society today. It lifts you up from these shallow standards and it gives you something greater to aspire for, which is I want to beautify my inner self. So Now here's the next part, what he says. And that's the dua. Did everyone get the dua of the Prophet Sallallahu Cool. So now, what is he saying though? Whoever beautifies themselves for other than God, then this person will be humiliated. What I, I had to think about this one a lot, but 
I guess what happens is a lot of times before you go somewhere, you're going somewhere like, you, you know how they say like you dress for the occasion, right? So you go, you look in the mirror and you're like, who am I going to be seeing today? And you adorn yourself according to who you're going to be interacting with. What I feel like he's trying to teach us is that don't focus on the creation's eyes on you. Focus on Allah's eyes on you and walk out the house with that as your primary focus that Allah is watching me. You feel me? Like the, the primary thing when I'm getting ready is not what, what this person is going to say, what that person is going to say, what this person is going to think. The primary one that I'm beautifying myself is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's it. That's all it comes back to. Um, and, and I think that's what he's saying. And then he says, Fadahahu. If you don't do that, if you try to beautify yourself for everyone else, you're just going to humiliate yourself. What do I mean by humiliate? Check this. I'm going to be real. Have to. Beauty standards change like the weather in Texas, man. Beauty standards change. You, 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 if you ain't plugged in before you know it, you out of, you out of fashion. You out of fashion. And I'm not just talking about the standards of beauty on clothes. All types of standards of beauty, if you're constantly chasing that, trying to jump over that high bar, man, you're going to embarrass yourself. You feel me? I don't hate them. You feel what I'm saying? But if you, if you just focus on you and Allah, then I don't care if, what's the fashion today. I don't care what the beauty standard is today. I wasn't beautifying myself for the creation in the first place, so I'm good to go. Otherwise, you'll be humiliated. Why? Because you're jumping through everybody else's hoops. What they say is beautiful. You keep readjusting. Okay, that's in fashion now. All right, got to do that. Got to do this. Got to do that. So I think this is a beautiful advice for us um, where he really reminds us, stop trying to um, please the entire creation. You'll never be able to make them all think that you're beautiful, but you can focus on Allah and if you focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I mean, that's the objective. Let's go to the next one, inshallah. So he said, what? Whoever beautifies themselves for anyone other than Allah, fadahahu, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will disgrace this person, humiliate this person. May Allah protect us. And if you know young people in the community that are constantly like jumping through the hoops, you got to have a real talk with them, man. You got to sit down and have a real sister to sister, brother to brother talk about like who's, who's, uh, whose standards of beauty are you trying to impress upon yourself and always trying to meet? That's what we need to focus on. Next one. وَمَنْ تَوَكَّلْ عَلَيْهِ كَفَاهُ And whoever trusts upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, kafahu. Whoever trusts upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, kafahu. Okay. Um, okay, so yo, can I share some research with y'all I'm doing, yo? For real? Okay, so check this. The concept is tawakkul. Tawakkul. What is tawakkul? How do we normally translate tawakkul? Trust, reliance on upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. All right. If it starts to not make sense, just raise your hand. I'll back up. Okay, here we go. So listen to this. Studies show. Asa, you with me? All right. Studies show that your early relationships in life, and I'm talking like mom and dad, older brother, sister, grandma, those early relationships in life, when we were children, six years old, five years old, even younger, the amount of trust we had in them, the amount that we could rely upon them, creates patterns within ourselves through which we operate with the rest of 
creation for the rest of our lives. So if you had an unresponsive mother, right, an unresponsive mother who just wasn't there, she didn't respond to your cry, she didn't respond to when you needed something, then there's something that you internalize inside yourself. What do you internalize? That that, that secure figure won't be there for me. I can't trust on that figure and I have to learn how to deal with stuff myself. But if that person, whoever it was, it could be anyone. I think for the prophet, it wasn't his mother. It was actually Abdul Muttalib, right? But if that secure figure was always responsive to, to you when you communicated a need, then you learn trust. And here's the crazy part. You then operate with that standard, that pattern, that model with everyone that you interact with later in life. So now someone who tries to get close to you, but you internalize your close people will bounce at any moment. Now you interact that way with every person that gets close to you. You get married and dude's like, I love you. You're like, oh my God, he's about to drop me. You're like, dang, what happened? I just said, I love you. Right? Like, or you're very clingy or whatever it may be. There's a whole bunch of things that happen based on that. Right? So, the point I'm trying to make here, this is very important for us to understand. The reason why it's so important is the early relationships that you have impact your ability to connect to people later and how you will connect to people later, number one. But here's the deeper part. It will also impact how you're able to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Because at the core of it is trust. But you learned that if dad told me he's going to pick me up at 5 p.m., he ain't even going to show up till 7 p.m. if he even shows up. So the one who you thought you could have trusted in the most, I couldn't trust. I learned as a child, I can't trust these people. So now when the imam or the sheikha is talking about, we got to trust in Allah, he'll always be there for you, you like. Low key, you ain't even realizing this is how you're looking at life. Now, okay, Shaykh, what does this do for me? I'm an adult now. What do you want me? Like, do I need to just go to psychology? Like, I'm a therapist? Yeah, yeah, that, but there's more. There's more. There's more. You're an older sister. You're an older brother. You're a friend. Those patterns of attachment are, are malleable. So you can relearn trust through your interactions with other people. And that flows right over to your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yo, this is heavy, yo. I took you, drop the fire. I got you, Habibi. No, you feel what I'm trying to say? And this is why it's so important. Like, subhanAllah, it's so important for, and this age is, our, our, our age is so important because, like, the foundation of families, this is where it's at right here. So if you're an older sibling, if, you know, five years from now, you see yourself with a child, seven years from now, you got to remember, yo, Insecurity, avoidance, attachment is transgenerational, yo. It's transgenerational. Like if your pops was raised by a parent that wasn't like emotionally responsive, that passes on to your children. Why? Because you don't even realize it, but you do the same exact thing to your children. Mikael, what does it have to do with halaka? Yo, I just said, man tawakkal alayhi kafahu. Whoever trusts in God, a God will be enough. But you've, in, you've, you've, you've uh, um, imprinted upon yourself due to your experience with people that you love that I can't trust. So now that goes straight over to Allah. You have a difficulty in trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I, I think if you're brought aware, if, you're, if you build awareness of it, you can be like, nah, 
this is Allah, this isn't my family. That's a human, that's the whatever, whatever. No, you can build consciousness of your own attachment style. And when you build a, a, awareness of that, you can work to change it. And then the positive people around you can help teach you that no, there are people you can trust upon and I'm gonna be one of those people for you. You feel me? May Allah accept. I mean, I hope, I hope you guys uh, connect with what I'm saying here. This is, this is heavy. And for me as, as a parent, man, like of, of young ones, like I realize now more than ever, and, and, and siblings too, I think it's so important for siblings too. Um, now more than ever, I'm like, oh my God. To just tell someone like, yo, later, yo. To ignore someone's like call out for help. It's heavy. It further ingrains a negative, a negative pattern of thinking about attachment. And you don't realize, but you may be actually causing a person to, um, to be distant from Allah. What do you mean? I didn't do anything. Yes, you did. You further embedded in them that you can't connect to people. They won't be there for you. So, wallahu alam, that really helped me in my relationships with people. Um, but the biggest thing you can do is you can use it for yourself to realize uh, what is your attachment patterns. If you have a problem trusting in people, you always like get, you know, worried. The moment someone gets close to you, now you need to distance. You get anxious. You get clingy. All these things are, are signs of uh, insecure attachment. And you could work to better that. So the only reason I brought that up is I see a connection between those infant and child, early childhood and your later ability to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You, do you realize, like, do you know the hadith that say the connection between the word rahma, rahman, and the womb of the mother? You feel what I'm saying? So, okay, uh, like, bring it. It was like, yo, bro, we don't get it. Okay, I got you. So there's hadith where the Prophet ﷺ says that Allah's name Rahman, Rahamim, it's derived from the same root word of Raham. In Arabic, what does Raham mean? Womb. Meaning there's this divine connection between the womb and Allah. So what I'm learning and deducing from that is that that early childhood experience of connection to the Raham, affects your later experience to connect to Ar-Rahman. You feel me? Yo, it's heavy. Heavy. Now you may be like, okay, but I didn't, yo, the, the right away you could kill this whole argument like your prophet didn't have his mother. Got you. Got you, Habibi. I got you. It doesn't matter who the responsive attachment figure is. You just need that responsive attachment figure who you can connect to. It could be, it was Abdul Muttalib for the Prophet Abdul Muttalib used to have a spot in the masjid. He'd be like, yo, sit here. This is your spot. He used to love him more than all of his children. So he had someone who responded to him. So he learned that people respond. So he had the figure. It doesn't have to be a mother. It doesn't have to be a father. It, it, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And, and so I, I just think that that debate between nature and nurture Allah created our nature in a way that we are molded by those who nurture us. Our nature is such that God created us that our nurture imprints upon us. He created us from clay. What do you do with clay? You put water on it and you mold it. You mold it. You sit there and mold it, mold it, mold it, mold it. And if it's the wrong way and it dries, guess what you do? You put a little bit more water on it and you mold it until it's just right. 
and then finally you put a gloss on it, a glaze. At that point, you can't do anything. To me, that's when we enter into Jannah, inshallah. That's the glaze right there. That's it. Done right there. So the point I'm trying to say is, yes, our environments affect us. Yes, they affect our relationships with people. But I think it's far beyond that. It also affects your ability to trust in Allah. You got me started, Habibi. Can I go deeper, though? Y'all still going to buy the book, though? <laughs> All right, cool. Yo, listen, though. This is heavy. Um, so, so, you're, so check this. Okay, when I say mother in this example, I need you to t- t- not go to your mother if she wasn't that person who's your secure base. You need to go in your mind to whoever that person is, and inshallah, you have one. So you ever, like, have a bad day at, at school or at work and just need to call your moms up and just talk? This is extremely important because what happens is we always run back. What does a child do when they're threatened? It goes to that secure base. So here's the deal. As we get older, man, yo, 30 whatever years old right here. I'm still calling moms up. Hey, mom, how you doing? Why? Just for no reason. Like, and I feel so good just on the phone. Like, I just feel close. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Just being on the phone. Do y'all feel what I'm saying? Just on the phone with moms or, or dad. I just feel good. Did nothing happen? Just on the phone. Here's the crazy part. I truly think this connects, this is our connection with God. Listen, the studies that show whether you have a secure base or not, they basically say that when a child separates from the parent, as a young child, there should be some anxiety a little bit, right? You feel me? Like, where's my mom? Where's my dad, right? But when the child is brought back to the parent, there's this soothing that happens. And that's natural. That's what it should be. But whenever you didn't have a good relationship as an infant and a child, then there's no soothing process. The presence of the parent or lack of presence means nothing. I self-soothe because that parent was never ever there to do that. Now, here's the crazy part. Studies show that even when the person leaves the world, you realize that separation doesn't mean a disconnection. I can be separated from someone but still connected to them. Okay, y'all ain't feeling it yet. I got you. You know the story of Yusuf when Zuleika tried to seduce him, right? We're all adults here, right? So it's in the Quran, right? There's a verse in the Quran that says, Like he was like, he saw her, she saw him. They're both like, but then, but then, but then, this is crazy. The Quran says he saw a sign. Do you know what many of the Mufassirin say? Do you know what the sign was? He saw his father, but not like he wasn't there, but in his head. He's, and yo, this is the function that secure people have for us. You know, it's like, yo, can I give a sports example? I ain't did a sports example in like five months. All right, y'all probably like, did the dude still run or not, right? Yo, you know how like you're in the middle of a race or something, and then you envision a racer that you know, or someone that's like an athlete? While you're in that thing, you envision them. And you're like, oh, I got this. I got this. You can, when, you, when the attachment is strong, when the attachment is strong, you can use that person even when they're absent from the world, yo. 
So your mom can leave the world. Grandma can leave the world. But you've learned from a child that separation doesn't mean disconnection. You've learned that separation doesn't mean disconnection. I can remain connected to people who I'm not near. And I can always call upon them. I hope y'all take sound clips of this and make some shirky video out of it, right? <laughs> you get my point. I can call upon them. I can envision them. I can think about them. And they will be a source of comfort for me even after they've long gone. And that is the role that each and every one of us plays in the lives of other people because you can actually become a secure attachment figure in the life of someone else. And low-key, you don't even realize it. You think you're nothing. But low-key, when that person's in a tough time, they're thinking about you. They're like, yo, how would he get through this? Yo, that's my man. He got this, yo. And to yourself, you're like, yo, who am I? I'm a miskeen. Wallah. I do all this stuff. Messed up. But you're an attachment figure for someone else. How would she get through this? That's my rock right there. You feel me? So why am I saying this? Mikael, the topic was about tawakkul on Allah. So many of us, we can't trust in Allah because we, we learned from people that we can't trust in people. So we don't have the ability to connect. And I'm trying to show you right now that you can be there for another person and, and actually be the one that teaches them to trust again. Teaches them to trust again. And then you could break the cycle of transgenerational like insecurity. It's transgenerational. You could break that cycle completely. May Allah give us Tophia. Yo, yo, I'm working hard, Habibi. Summer, yo. Catch me in the library, man. That's it. The library is such a beautiful place to go. Do y'all go to the library? Like low key, for real. It's way better than like Starbucks, yo, I'm telling you. The library is so beautiful, man. People, you pay taxes for it, it's yours. Walk in that joint, use it, yo. Such a beautiful place to go and reflect and just chill and just be in a nice place. Alhamdulillah, it's so nice. So make dua, yo, make dua. So everyone understand this point? For those who came, subhanAllah, you're going to have to watch that recording because we just went heavy, yo. وَمَنْ تَوَكَّلْ عَلَيْكَ فَاهُ Whoever trusts in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will be enough for that person. And I use the example of Yaqub seeing a vision of his father. Uh, Yusuf salam seeing a vision of his father that stopped him from the sin. That shows how deep the connection was, yo. SubhanAllah. Any questions or comments on that? Like, yo, it's so deep, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, so, so she's her question is regarding that that joining the relation, the arham, is a way that you learn how to join to Rahman. Remember that point we brought up? Yeah, her question is about that. Yeah. Subhanallah. So even if you lose your mom and you won't have any anger, yeah. you still have that first place of Rahman that connects you to God. That connects you amazing. If you are lost in an island where you have no one to rely on, yeah. you can learn to self-search, to come to the Rahman because of Rahman. Because of Rahman you went through and that took care of you. Amazing. Listen, 
we come out of this, we come into this world from the moment we literally come out of the womb, we are searching for connection. Just think of it that way. From the moment we come out, the child literally comes out and knows how to latch. Well, sometimes you got to teach that, whatever. You get my point. Like the child comes out trying to connect. Wallahi, for the rest of your lives, all you're trying to do is connect to people. And you realize, you realize that through connection to people, you can also connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The whole rest. From the moment that umbilical cord is cut, boom, right there you're searching for another connection. I need connection. I need connection. I need connection. Such a beautiful thing, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us. And just realize your role as an older brother, as a husband, as a wife, as, a, as whatever. Your role in creating people that can trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right, let's go. That's enough of that. We'll move forward, inshallah ta'ala. So what did he say? Our first advice was, Whoever beautifies themselves for anyone other than Allah, Allah will cause this person to be disgraced. Fadiha. You'll be disgraced. You're jumping through other people's, uh, you know, what is it? Marching to another person's drummer. Whoever trusts upon Allah, Allah will be enough for him. We talked about how some of us have intrinsically embedded in us the inability to trust just because of our, the people we grew up with. And we talked about how that can change though. We're made out of clay. That means we're malleable. It can change. It doesn't have to be the same way. Oh, here we go. The word wathiqa is a deeper form of, of trust. It's like dependence. It's, it's dependence. Whoever depends on something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, maqatahu, then Allah hates this person. Now this is like, uh-oh, hatred of God. Why so severe? Why so serious? Because, you know, my, 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 one of my teachers, I can't forget this example. I don't know why, it just sat in my head. He gave this example. He said, um, okay, he says, imagine there's this really, really wealthy father, extremely wealthy and generous, an extremely generous father, wealthy, generous, and loving. And he has all of these children, sons and daughters that he takes care of, okay? And he's walking into the mall. This is the example my teacher gave, and it really stuck with me. He's walking into the mall, and he sees one of his sons in tattered clothes, Begging for money from people. Begging. Begging. He said, what type of anger would go through the heart of that father at that time? There's compassion, no doubt. But first is, I'm here for you. I love you. I have everything you possibly could ask for. But yet you want to beg from everybody else. That's why the anger is there. To me, once the, my teacher said that example, it just, it just snapped. I got it. That Allah is like, I'm here. There's hadith that say at the third part of the night, Allah asks out, is there anyone that needs me? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You sitting there binging on Netflix. That's why you ain't making dua. He's like, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. This is the time to ask me, but we're not asking. So, so when the one who wants to give you has to give you, loves to give to you, but you're going to everyone else, of course that person's going to be angry with you. So the only thing, it, it, it sounds very harsh, but it, it fits. 
Man wathiqa bighayrihi, whoever depends on anything other than God gains the anger of God. And I also think that means dependent on yourself as well. I know we're supposed to try, do our best, be independent, all that, right? I get it. But deep inside, your strength is realizing your weakness and your dependence on Allah. Your strength is realizing your dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In your strongest moment, I don't care how much you bench in, squatting, running, you are completely, utterly dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The moment you realize that, you become the strongest person. The realization of that. And uh, there's a verse of the Quran, Surah Al-Rum. It's a crazy verse, yo. Allah says, he's the one that created you in weakness. Then after weakness gave you strength. Then after strength gave you weakness and old age. The, many of the scholars, they say, the point is that you're actually weak the whole time. You're actually weak the whole time. You just got to realize that. You're actually weak the entire time. Yo, um, okay. Um, so, subhanAllah, this is just a beautiful point. Next advice. Whoever fears Allah alone, Allah will give this person security. I think the meaning here is you can either choose to have a thousand things that you're afraid of and let that dictate your life or you can make your greatest fear just Allah. And when your greatest fear is there, other fears disappear. Come on, yo, look at your own life. You know there's a moment, you know there's a moment when something big was happening, you got really scared, all of a sudden, you wish you just had those light fears. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Habibi? Trust me. Some of y'all ain't been through nothing yet, so y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When those big fears come, you're like, dang, man, I wish I was just worried about my exam. <laughs> dang, I wish I was just worried about such and such. Things just got real, real quick. So the, the, so the point is, <laughs> I heard a mother say, <laughs> I ain't going to tell y'all who. I ain't going to tell y'all who. I heard a, a mother say, this was some years back, the kid was like, my stomach hurts. And the kid was just, just complaining all day. So the mother was like, let me smack in your head so you forget about your stomach hurt. <laughs> I ain't going to tell y'all who said that, though. It was many years ago, many, many years ago in a land far away. <laughs> so the point is, the point is, I'm so sorry, sorry to be professional here. The point is that when you have a greater fear, when you have a greater fear, all of a sudden, those lower fears disappear. So, so what does that mean for me and you? When you start focusing on Akhirah, when you start focusing on Allah, all of a sudden, boss, you know, whatever his name is, don't really matter as much. Yeah, it matters, but you kind of like, yo, I got something else I'm worried about. I got to catch my salah, yo. I can't miss my prayer. Oh, I'll just give an example. Just give an example. So the thing is to make your greatest worry, your greatest concern, um... To make your greatest concern Allah. And when your greatest concern is Allah, 
those other things just, they're not as, they're not as deep. They, they don't matter as much. So, woman khafahu amanahu. This is heavy. This author is so beautiful. Woman khafahu amanahu. Whoever fears him, Allah puts him in security. Fear of Allah is security from the lower fears. But if you don't fear Allah, then you fear everything. You're worried about everything. Right? Got to get insurance for this. What if the house does this, that, whatever? You're worried about everything. SubhanAllah. Woman shakarahu. So, next advice. Whoever is grateful to Allah, Allah gives him more. Whoever is grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him more. And whoever obeys Allah, Allah gives honor to this person. You know, sometimes the obedience of Allah, especially, I think a lot of us grow up in homes where it ain't cool to be, to be righteous. Like a lot, of, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us grow up in homes where if you pray and, you know, somebody is like, yo, what you doing? In your own home, in your own home. It took me as a convert time to realize that. That we was like, yo, yo, we get hated on at home if I rock a scarf at home. We are like, what you doing? Why are you going to halakas every week? Right? So a lot of times there's humiliation in that. People making fun of you. Right, like this, that. Oh, you all pious now. Heard one lecture. You get humiliated. So, when you humiliate yourself for the sake of Allah, that's honor, yo. Y'all ain't feeling it. Y'all ain't feeling it. Do you know when they were preparing for civil rights and uh, civil disobedience? The humiliation that they had to train to deal with. Just go YouTube it or something, whatever. So they would sit at like they would they would do a mock sitting at a at a at a like a cafe, have another dude in their face, calling them names, pouring milk on their head, getting them used to it. Cause because this was trial. It's about to really go down. It's about to really go down. So my but look at how they're honored today. Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, you name it, the whole, everybody, the honor. So I, I just want you to realize that there's always going to be haters. And if, if you just obey Allah and do what is right for the sake of Allah, there will be moments of humiliation. You're going to feel that prick. You're going to feel it. It'll make you cry. It'll hurt. It'll hurt. I remember when I first became Muslim, I'm rocking like a thobe everywhere. People driving down past me, and I live in like the hood. <laughs> Never mind. I ain't even gonna share y'all half the stories. They speaking, they, they, you know, people act like they speak in a foreign language. You ever, you know what I mean? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. In Texas, you just be like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I suffer a lot, suffer a lot, suffer. But the point is, the point is, there's a moment, there's humiliation. There's humiliation that comes, for real. And, and, and we can't act like it doesn't hurt. It will hurt. The Prophet, I mean, if we, all jokes aside, the Prophet was literally, like, mocked and humiliated. And people are laughing at him. You know, you ever see those videos where people are laughing? I can make fun of my own people, okay? So when black people laugh, we move around a lot. 
You know what I mean? Okay, it's, y'all, why y'all laughing? <laughs> just joking, just joking. Y'all don't know what to Should we laugh? Should we be serious? We don't know what to do. So, so there's a hadith that talks about the Prophet Sallallahu uh, having the intestines thrown on him. And, and it talks about how when the, the kuffar are watching, they're falling on each other laughing. And I'm literally picturing like how we see in these memes and stuff where everybody's just falling on each other laughing. That's how they're laughing at the Prophet Sallallahu so what, what I'm trying to highlight, the reason I'm highlighting is there will be pain. There will be humiliation and pain that comes through the obedience of Allah. But the outcome is honor, man. The outcome is honor. And if you could just hold it like those civil rights workers, if you can learn how to hold it in that moment and not fold, you will become people that are followed and not followers. You will become people and not sheeple. You will become leaders. If you're able to overcome that humiliation. But a lot of us, we can't take a stare from a person we'll never see again. You can't take a stare from a person you never see again. I'm never going to see you again, Habibi. Why do I care for you so much? But I have to live with myself every day. That's something you need to reflect upon and I need to reflect upon. How do I let such transitory people impact me so much? Allah make it easy for us. So, man ata'ahu akrama. You got to tell y'all a story about someone? Okay, so there's a student at Qalam. Okay, there's a student at Qalam. And I know she wouldn't mind this story. So when she started studying at Qalam, she's her, she from a family just like y'all. They're like, oh, you want to study the religion? Uh, okay, give it a shot. So she started studying, right? But then she wanted to keep studying, okay? She wanted to keep studying. And this is someone else. This is someone else, okay? Uh, they, oh, this is crazy. So she used to start taking classes, like, in the closet, like, legit. Because it's Zoom, Zoom. Because they couldn't know what classes she was taking, or she would take it, and because of COVID and all this, they think she's taking like chemistry, physics, this and that. And she's sitting there in Sira class, Jalale, all of this. So two, three years pass. And it comes out. She told me this recently. She's like, yo, I forgot to tell you, my family found out that I'm studying at Qala. I'm like, oh, word, what happened? Right? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, they treat me like the sheikh of the, of the, of the family now, yo. Whenever there's something going on, they'd be like, oh, is that halal? Can we do it? Not, not mocking, like for real. They got mad respect. And I'm like, oh, are they mocking you? She's like, no, they legit are asking me, is that, if, if I don't want to eat something, they'll be like, oh, is, it, is that, is that uh, not permissible? She's like, no, I just don't like it. <laughs> so the point being is like, there was a moment where there was this disgrace. Oh, you want to do that? But now there's, there, there's this honor for her. In the family. And it's just such an amazing uh, thing to see. And so trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whoever obeys Allah, Allah will honor you. Allah will honor you. Allah will honor you. Allah will honor you. Allah will honor you, man. Like Bilal, man. Bilal, man. Do you realize Bilal was being dragged through the streets of Mecca? Mocked and ridiculed. And at the end, he's standing on top of the kava, giving the adhan. 
Do you realize like the glow up there, yo? Do you realize what that means? He's on top of the Kaaba now. They all looking up, like literally, when they used to look down. Whoever obeys Allah, Allah will give him honor, yo. So that's what we search for, the honor from Allah. And that's through obedience. That's through obedience. Why do we need to know this? Because it's going to be hard. Your family's going to hate on you. Your coworkers are going to hate on you. Everyone's going to hate on you. They will make you feel bad. It's going to hurt. Expect it before you set out on that journey. No. But you know what? After you get through, you're going to feel good, though. You're like, yeah. Got my stripes. You're going to feel good. Alhamdulillah. So, وَمَنْ أَطَعَهُ أَكْرَمَ وَمَنْ أَثَرَهُ أَحَبَّهُ This one hit me hard. And whoever gives preference to Allah, Allah loves that person. Okay. Throughout your day, there are moments when you make micro decisions, okay? Small little itty bitty decisions. Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Am I going to do this? I'm going to do that. He's telling us, if you just always give preference to Allah, should I pray right now? Should I do this? Let me pray. Should I do this? Should I do that? If you always give preference to Allah, what is the reward for that? Ahabba. Just think about how you are. If there's someone in your family who's always giving you preference over everyone else, there's love that comes naturally. You can't help it. This is, this is beautiful. To me, this was so, this was eye-opening because it's like, how can I gain the love of Allah? He's saying just keep giving preference to Allah when you have micro decisions to make. Small little decision. I'm telling you. Should I go to the masjid right now? Should I do this thing? It's only going to take me 15 minutes. I'm going to suddenly then be out. But let me do that. Just, just small decisions. And what do you do in those small decisions? Give preference to Allah. And you know what it's going to actually do? There's muscle memory there. Y'all know muscle memory, right? You know what it actually does? It's actually training you for those bigger times when you're going to have to put Allah first. Because you did it so many small times, that big one comes, it's just a little easier. So he says, وَمَنْ أَثَرَهُ أَحَبَّهُ Whoever gives preference to Allah, micro decisions in life, small itty bitty decisions, you make and put Allah first there, that's how you get, you know, yo, if, for the married brothers or sisters, like, if you start, even to your mother, it doesn't have to be married. If you just start giving preference to wifey and small things, she'll show you mad love, yo. Mad love. You know what I mean? Food is cooked, it's all laying out. And you're like, nah, go first, yo. We be just on it. Like, I said, yo, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? I said, yeah, she cooked it for me, I'm trying to grub. Nah, yo, hold back. Yo, go ahead, what you want? No, you go first. No, 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 go ahead. You feel me? Trust me. You give preference to people in small things, and we do it. You walk in the store, you open the door, you, you go first. Do it with people you love. Do it with people you love. You feel me, Haytham? All right. All right. That's, that's, I, th I thought that was just a beautiful advice. May Allah give us the ability to make micro decisions and put others before us, put Allah before ourselves in the micro decision in life. If we do that, he's telling us this will gain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
time is it? Okay. Um Sayyidina Muhammad. Next advice. Just a little bit more. We'll, we'll wrap it up in a few minutes. Wahdar Antadina Lillahi Bil Akali. Okay. Is there a wisdom? This ain't a rhetorical question. Is there a wisdom in the rulings that God has sent upon us and obliged on us through the Prophet? Is there a wisdom in them? Not a rhetorical question. I'm serious. You could. Okay. There's a wisdom in prayer, why we pray. There's a wisdom in fasting. There's a wisdom in uh, hajj. There's a wisdom in all these things, correct? Okay. Do we do it for that wisdom? So here's the deal. He says, be careful from antadina lillahi bil that you make your relationship with Allah purely intellectual, purely aqlin, like based on your understanding. What does this mean? If there was no way, a lot of us try to make it. Okay, why did you wake up for Fajr this morning? Because, oh, it's good to wake up in the morning and start your day early. Oh, it's good to begin your day on the right foot, you know. Like the studies show. No. Who are you trying to kid here? You woke up, inshallah, for Fajr for one reason. God told you to. That's it. And if it wasn't for that reason, you would have been sleeping like everybody else. Why do I say that? I think it's very important for us to realize like when people ask you, why do you do that? A lot of times we like to go, oh, well, Islam is about modesty, da, 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 da. Hold up. Why do I do it? Because I believe in Allah and Allah told me to do this. It says it in the Quran. Right, yo, that's where it is. Allah told me in the Quran. Mikael, why did you wake up to pray at 5 a.m. this morning? All these intellectual reasons? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I woke up because God told me to. Why am I saying this? What he's telling us right now is... Don't make your religious practice based on just your understanding. Meaning if I understand the wisdom, I'm going to do it. If I don't understand the wisdom, I'm not going to do it. Uh-uh. That's a horrible relationship to have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you may not understand all of the wisdoms until later in life or never. One, uh, one um, it wasn't even a teacher of mine. One, a, a good friend of mine. He's my teacher now because of this advice. He said to me, he said, if you understood everything, where's the test at? You feel me? If everything just made, like, it just all is math. It's like logic. It's like, yeah, this plus this plus this equals prayer at 5 a.m. If it all just made sense, where's the test? The test, the part of the test is I don't understand why it's four rakats. I don't. But that's what God told me through the Prophet Sallallahu and I believe in the Rasul Sallallahu Is there a deep wisdom? I believe there is. Jannah find that stuff out, inshallah. Maybe some of y'all become great ulama and scholars and you start to deduce all the wisdoms, whatever. But at the end of the day, the reason why is not the wisdom. The reason why is because I do what those who I love tell me to do. And I love Allah. And I love the Rasul. And I believe him to be the messenger of Allah. So I'll follow him all the way, wherever he leads me to. That's why I'm doing it. 
So be careful of making your religion purely a cerebral thing. And I get it. We're talking to coworkers. We start to give all the rational reasons behind stuff. You're fasting in Ramadan. Why are you fasting? Well, you know, intermittent fasting is really in these days. Okay, I get it. It makes it easier to explain. You in Texas, they all religious anyway, half of them, right? You know what I mean? For Allah, that's it. People respect that more too. People respect that way more. When you start telling out, they're like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. You know there's a, a counter study to that, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, I guess I'm not doing it anymore. No. Regardless of what studies come out, if all the studies in the world come out saying waking up at 10 a.m. is better than waking up at 5 a.m., you're still going to wake up? And you're just going to be like, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, fake, fake news. <laughs> fake news. So the point is, start from, from the beginning. In this halakha, right now, understand, why am I doing it? Because I believe in Allah. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Now, oh, does Islam have no rational side to it? Of course there's a ra- your rationality is what led you to believe in God. It's through your rational faculties that God says, look at all of this and realize there must be a creator. Look at the prophet's life and realize this man wasn't a fake. He was real. Use your intellect to come to the truth. But when you come to the truth, you got to submit to it. And that's why you put this big head on the ground. Because <laughs> that head starts to feel really big and know, oh, this, that, and uh, put it on the ground. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. So may Allah accept. You guys had energy today. Y'all. I was feeling it all for you guys, man. Alhamdulillah. May Allah accept. I mean, these are, again, beautiful advices. I realize, actually, we're getting closer to the end of the book. I mean, obviously, it's not going to last forever, right? So um, I think we have about five or six sessions left of this book. Maybe seven, eight, if we, could, if we go the pace we went today. But um, alhamdulillah, it's beautiful. May Allah accept. Um, I hope today's lesson was uh, beneficial for you guys. Um, everything we talked about, helping people learn to connect, helping people learn how to trust again, um, why Allah is angry with us when we, we don't trust and depend upon him. So many lessons for us. May Allah accept from us. Any questions? I know sometimes I end there's... I don't give time for questions. Any questions? Oh. I was going to ask, um, are you able to use that Oops. formula in reverse as well, meaning that building your relationship with Allah will help you work on people trying to develop relationships? Yeah. That's heavy. You know, so, so for those who came late, we talked a lot about um, how your early relationships create these models inside of you and these models of attachment are how you attach to people later in life. And I was saying it even affects how you attach to Allah. That was what we talked about earlier. Um, and so uh, Makaira is asking me, like, what about in reverse? Like, if I'm able to build a, a strong relationship and trust in God, can I use that pattern to learn how to retrust people? Um, and, and I think, I, I, I truly believe, like, these attachment patterns are malleable. We are made from clay. They, 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 they can be molded. Until that gloss and glaze is put over, they can be molded. And so perhaps if we come from this direction, through enough reflection and, and meditation and prayer, we learn to retrust God. Can we now go backward? Inshallah, man, that's a good point. I was always looking at it in this direction, but I, I see what you're saying. If we never had any people in this life 
that taught us how to trust, could we still reach trust in God and then relearn how to trust people again? Perhaps, yo. Allahu Akbar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever like theorized or thought of um, these individuals well, instead of it being one individual being multiple individuals in different capacities? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so first of all, it's the cumulative effect of all of these uh, attachment figures that imprint upon us and make that uh, our model of attachment. So I think there's a lot of people that play into that for sure, and especially in these societies where the tribe raises the child. You feel what I'm saying? Like a lot of families, it'd be like five of y'all families in one little whole thing, you know what I mean? So I think there's definitely more of a, of a collective imprint and attachment figure. But the nuclear family is what we have in the West. So a lot of times if it wasn't mom, dad, then where are you going to get that from? But are you saying that throughout life we create attachments in different areas? Yeah, early childhood. I would say, look at the Prophet Sallallahu He didn't have his mother. Father wasn't there. But yet we see this person that could connect with anyone. To me, that's, by, by the way, I think that is the miracle, by the way. I think that is the miracle. Like, that's the miracle, guys. That doesn't happen normally. That doesn't happen. If you are an uh, orphan, if you lose your parents, these are traumatic things that affect deeply your ability to connect to people. How the heck did he connect to so many people in such a deep way do, and with those circumstances that he had unless he was a prophet of God, man? It's purely a, a sign of who he was. Lost everyone, but he never stopped learning how to trust people and connect to people to the last moment, right? But, that, but that's an outlier. That's an outlier, right? That Z-score Z is way up. <laughs> you know what I'm that's an outlier. Allahu Yes. So, um, you were saying earlier, like, you know, when you have a bad day and you just want to call your mom and, like, get that reassurance and stuff like that. Um, so, like, my question is, like, you know, as time goes on, as someone's getting older and they're going through a different stage of life, perhaps, like, a Catholic person should, in the sense that, oh, like, depending on the topic, you want to call a friend or you want to call your father instead of your mother. Like, you know what? I, you know, I have a theory here, too, and I'm still looking for research to support it. I think when our parents get very old, we become the attachment figure. Do you understand? So, so the verse says you started off weak, you become strong, you start off weak again, you go to weakness again. In those weak states, you need an attachment figure. The crazy part for some of us is you're calling your mother to get that assurance, but she's calling you for the same reason. And as she gets older and older and older and older, or he, father, now she needs you even more because you become that, 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 that place of trust that I can find solace and comfort in and so on and so forth. Um, but the other point you're trying to make is interesting because I think with my religious growth, I have attachment figures in the religion. I have attachment figures in, in working out and running. You know what I'm saying? When I'm running, I ain't thinking about my shake. You know what I mean? No, for real. Like, I'm focusing on a person that is my, 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 my uh, you know. So I think it's totally fine. But, but we're missing the point. The attachment figure was in early childhood, we learned how to attach. And later, we attach to all types of people for different reasons. 
academic, emotionally, whatever it may be. I got you. What did the, the prophet, he's like, what's the highest attachment? I think we all get it, but we need to like ground it. When the prophet's passing away, his last words, what are his last words? It's not la ilaha illallah. Ila rafiq al-a'la. To the highest companion. Ila rafiq. What's a rafiq? Rafiq. It's a friend. Ila, ila. To rafiq al-a'la. And the, basically, Gabriel was asking him, where do you want to go? Do you want to stay or do you want to go? He goes, Ila Rafiq al-A'la. Take me to the highest companion. So I feel like at that moment, all other connections are cut for that ultimate connection with God. You feel me? Oh... Oh, wow, that's heavy. The brother's basically like, can we form a relationship with Allah where even in running or working out or studying, my, uh, the thing that I envision and, and look to is Allah. And that's heavy. I, I get where you're going. I have to think, I have to like, you know, think on it more, but I feel you. Because a lot of times when you're running, you're like, there is a point where you're like, this is for Allah. Ya Allah, right? There's a point. I ain't been running in a minute. Gotta go, yo. <laughs> yo, this heat is crazy, though. Tayyib, inshallah. I think that's it. Inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Let's make a dua. Inshallah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept our gathering today. Ya Allah. We ask you to make whatever we learned a means of guidance and hidayah for us. Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins which have disconnected us from you. Ya Allah. And allow us to establish and reunite with you. Ya Allah. Through tawbah. Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to allow us to be people who help other people connect, Ya Allah. We ask you to be help us be support for other people. Allahumma hadina wa hadibina. Oh Allah, guide us and make us guides for others, Ya Arhamur Rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us the patience to get through the humbling moments of obedience to you, Ya Allah, so that we can realize and reach the moments of honor through obedience, Ya Allah. We ask all of this, Ya Allah. We ask you to forgive our sins, Ya Allah, and give us many more gatherings like this gathering, Ya Arhamur Rahimin. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. Wa Salamun Alil Mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.